Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. By the way, there are two things that need to be said right up front. One, this is an emergency podcast. Mm -hmm. I, I think this fully qualifies as an emergency podcast. We had to get this out there. It's an emergency. It's a complete emergency. And the second thing that we need to tell people right up front is... Uh, you're playing hurt. You're playing. You're playing, playing through. Yes. You well, are. this is what happens when there's an emergency. Is you gotta <laughs> overcome your physical uh, ailments. I, That's I, right. I have a sinus infection, and I apologize to all of you out there for having to listen to my slightly nasally voice. I'm gonna try to hit the mute button when I cough, but a couple coughs might sneak through. <laughs> might sneak through the defenses. I'm just saying. You doing this podcast, Joe Montana coming yeah. back from the flu, and uh, and it's probably Jordan, Kellen, and Kellen Winslow. It's, it's and the Kellen Jordan Winslow. flu game. It's the yep. it's uh, who was it who played on a uh, the Super Bowl on a broken leg? Jack Youngblood. Jack, yeah, Jack yeah, Youngblood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's at that level, I would say. Right. It's it's I, like it seems that way to me. I mean, at least. Certainly. I mean, look, I always thought that Joe Montana thing was, you know, he had a cold then he played yeah. through it and he, you know, whatever. But this to do this, like do a podcast where you're feeling sick and down. Incredible. I don't like to use the term hero. And <laughs> but like sometimes it's called for. Sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes yeah, you just have to so, go. Yeah, I, I this is a heroic <laughs> thing I'm doing. And uh I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but but uh, yeah, I deserve all of your gratitude and praise. And by you all, I mean the nation at large. The nation at large, absolutely. Look, this is this didn't become America's number one sports podcast by accident. It 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 That's got right. here. It got here because of of dedication through the heroic like acts. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with this with this, uh, I have this. So the, my symptoms are essentially like you know classic. Head full of concrete, uh, stuffy nose, runny nose, and then also this cough. It's settled into my chest. I have this cough. And the problem is, is that what triggers it is laughter. When I laugh, I cough. And so, like, this is for a person who enjoys to laugh and enjoys comedy writing. Like, this is a huge issue for me. This is a huge issue. This, yeah. This is, this I, is... I, don't, I don't enjoy the feeling that I'm currently having, which is like, please, whatever happens, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Yeah, that's not the best. That's All right, so so in order so in order to avoid laughter, we have to go on directly to the emergency. Normally, we would wait for forty minutes before talking about the emergency, but we're not going to do that today because uh, probably forty minutes in, we are going to do something we have not done in. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for twenty eight years, and I don't believe right. we've done this particular thing for like ten of those years. Uh, but we're bringing back the draft. We are going to have a draft. That's right. Later this this uh, later in this podcast. So let's go right to the emergency, which is the Cincinnati Reds have yeah. won at the moment that we were speaking. They have won eleven games in a row. Right. They are in first place. They are legitimately exciting because mm -hmm. uh, they called up uh, Ellie De La Cruz and Joey Votto is back and. Uh, the world is just a different place. I'm just going to say the world is a different place with the new, exciting, successful Cincinnati Reds. We're going to mostly talk about the Reds here during this emergency, but 
it is worth repeating that currently among your division leaders, <laughs> that's right, are the Texas Rangers, correct, the Arizona Diamondbacks, <laughs> correct, and the Cincinnati Reds. That's three that's right. out of six divisions, which no one on earth ever would have predicted any of those. Like no, and by the way, the you know the Braves doing what we all knew they would do this year. Right on their heels, the Miami Marlins. <laughs> now, granted, that's not going to last. Miami Marlins, forty-three and thirty-three. They've been outscored by sixteen runs this year. Like they're that's right. They're they're not going anywhere. But we are we are five and a half games, six games away uh, from having the it be the Rangers, the <laughs> the Marlins, the Reds, and the Diamondbacks. Are you well, kidding and, me? And, and the crazy thing is that the two quote-unquote favorites winning are the Tampa Bay Rays and the yeah. Minnesota Twins. I mean, And the, and the know, Twins who stink and are barely 500. Yeah. Right. And and our small market and everything. Literally, no... I mean, Atlanta, sort of. Other than Atlanta, no big market team is, is leading a division right now. Um, some of the biggest disappointments in baseball are the biggest payrolls, not just this year, but in the history of... Of yeah. baseball, like the Mets, um, it's upside down, man. The game the is Mets, upside so down. So the Mets are in fourth in their division. The Cardinals, <laughs> who apparently we don't have to fear anymore, are <laughs> dead last in their division and going dead nowhere. last. The Dodgers are in third, and yes. the Padres, <laughs> who spend more money than they do, are in fourth. I mean, it is really wild right now. And granted, it's June, and there's a long sure. way to go. We're not even at the all-star break. We're not even at the trade deadline. But this has been a truly a truly weird first half. The Orioles are in second place. The Red Sox are in last. The Rangers? The, I mean, what is happening yeah. in the world right now? It's 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 great. It's so Houston great. Kinda stinks. The Dodgers kinda <laughs> stink. Like this does feel like something has shifted. But for the sake of today's podcast, we're really focused on the go-go Cincinnati Reds. Yes. We're, and, we're, and what they're doing in the Central. Well, because I think they represent the, the crazy thing. So the Reds, even as recently as three weeks ago, were a fiasco, right? Like they were they were not very good. And, you know, they have an ownership group that is not the world's best, right? And the fans were really down on them. You know, they, they seem to be the sort of team that could have improved themselves in the offseason. They really didn't. They were keeping Ellie De La Cruz down for whatever reason. And, man, then they they started playing a little bit better for sure. But then they called up Ellie De La Cruz, and they're like 12-2 and two since calling him up. And he's like a nightly like highlight reel. And every single day he does something – that make you go, I want to watch the Cincinnati Reds play baseball. He's kind of uh, what we were promised with O'Neill Cruz and didn't yes. quite get because he got hurt. Right. Or that, or what we were promised with, like, um, there's certain there's certain guys who have come up. Cabrian uh, Hayes was kind of like this, too. Of like, sort of, like, although more, more defensive. Look, I think Acuna, I mean, the, the, you know, and certainly has delivered. Yeah. Um, I, I think but there, the guys there's just like these that. guys who there's guys who come up and you're like, this guy's going to change baseball forever. And he's the first one who in the first week he was here, you were like, oh, yeah, he is like uh, that's <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and there's so many things to love about this guy, starting with the fact that when he signs autographs, he signs them the fastest man on earth, which is just an incredible <laughs> thing. Like not, it has nothing to do with baseball, really. Like it's not like I'm the best hitter or like five tool player. He signs his autographs the fastest man on earth, which is, I just so love delightful. that. It's just wonderful. Oh, it's um, so but great. it really, there, there is a, a, a little narrative that's building this year, I think is like Ellie De La Cruz and Corbin Carroll and some of these guys who were like, who were who were just showing up on the scene, who don't have seem to have any adjustment period at all to the majors, like right. who are tearing the cover off the ball at AAA after having teared the uh, tore the cover off the ball at AA, and you think like, all right, well, uh, yeah, that's great, guys. But when you get to the majors, and they get to majors, and they're totally fine, <laughs> like yes. that's that's such a rare thing. You don't see that very often. We're seemingly seeing it more and more frequently. And also, how old is Ellie De La Cruz as we speak right at this moment? Is he at this exact moment? He is 21 years old, 163 days. So he will not turn 22 during this season. He's, he's been able to legally buy a beer in this country for a, like 163 five days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just great. And it, it does a little bit. Make me angry that they kept him in the minors for as long as they did, but maybe, you know, I, yeah. Which is I, it's obviously our manipulation, but also maybe it was like, no, let's get him more at bats at AAA, and maybe I mean, there, look, it worked. So I guess I'm the, shouldn't. The, and there is, there is, you know, I've talked to people in Cincinnati. I mean, and they they insist <coughs> that uh, they did not uh, manipulate. It was nothing to do with that. It was he was striking out a lot. He would, they were trying to get him to to get a little bit better plate discipline. Which he did do. I mean, you know, the argument is there. And he's so young, you can you can see it. And if they really wanted to manipulate time, they probably would have kept him down there a little bit longer. Because I think he still is going to be a Super 2, maybe. I'm not 100% sure about that. But here's the thing. Let, let's talk about Ellie De La Cruz for a second. He's six foot five, playing shortstop, right? So, which is... I mean, there was it wasn't that long ago that literally would not have happened, no matter how good a shortstop. How he tall was. was Ripken? I think Ripken's right around there, six right th around. I thought yeah. he was a little shorter. I thought he was six three, six four. That sounds right. He, I mean, he was he was so much. I mean, when when Ripken came up, um, Earl Weaver's like, I'm going to put him at shortstop. People thought he was not. Yeah, six four. I mean, they just thought he was nuts. And then, and yeah. just because he was so tall. Um, and Ripken was not, I mean, Ripken was a, and, you know, Ripken's one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived, but Ripken was not the athlete this guy is, you know? So, so I think there no. was a question about Ripken's range, which he more than made up for because he, he has like a, this sixth sense of where the ball was going to go and all that. Uh, this guy is the fastest man on earth. So, I mean, like the range thing is yeah. not, uh, they, he hits with ridiculous power, like ridiculous mm -hmm. off the chart, like one of the. You know, pure power, he's, he's an 80, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's you know, a scouting 20 to 80. He's like an 80. Pure speed, 20 to 80, he's like an 80. And his arm, 20 to 80, is like an 80. This this guy, it's the most, it's like the most ridiculous scouting guy that you've ever seen. And then he comes up to the big leagues and, yeah, I mean, it's only been 14 games. He's hitting 321 and slugging 536 in those games. He's uh, stolen six bases, hasn't been caught. It's like everything that we thought he could be, he is like 
from day one. And, you know, I mean, look, a lot of it is is him specifically, but even more, I think, is I think every single person on that team was like, oh, we're different now. We're just a different team now that we have Ellie De La Cruz. Like, this is, it's like changed the entire culture and landscape of that club, I think. Yeah, I I don't, it's obviously not just him, but it does feel co- too much like, uh, it's like too much to be a coincidence. Yeah. But the second he showed up, they go on this crazy <laughs> run. It's like, it's like a combination of his play and also just the kind of, lift that it the spiritual lift that it gives a team when a guy like that shows up i mean i i honestly think that's part of what's going on in arizona too that corbin carroll who's like a legitimate mvp candidate essentially absolutely is like did you see the other day corbin carroll was on first base there was a ball hit uh like a, a you know hard hit grounder up the middle uh, for, for directly toward the got got through pretty easily, directly at the center fielder who was charging the ball. Corbin Carroll is on first base. He decides I'm just I'm going to third. I'm going to try to beat it. <laughs> so he just rounds second and, and keeps running. The center fielder runs in, tries to pick up the ball to gun him out, bobbles it, and then Corbin Carroll is like, "All right, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to score." And he doesn't even stop. He rounds third and he just goes home. And the throw comes in. It's not close. He beats it close. by be a couple of seconds and it's like he just scored from first on a single directly at a fielder like not not a ball that like hit the wall and like right, bounced right. back to an outfielder or <laughs> but like a, a ground ball like a hard grounder that was hit right at a charging center fielder he scored on that play it's really wow. wild and i i really believe that there is something about a 21 year old guy coming to a team and just appearing to like have solved baseball forever that kind of lifts the tide, like the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. I, you know, I totally agree. And it's not that I believe in like, Oh, it's clubhouse culture, this, that, and the other. I just think there are certain people that they're on your team and you think to yourself, Oh, we're really good because that person is on our team. That guy is like so important. And, and I think you see it, Across baseball right now, you mentioned Corbin Carroll in Arizona. No question in my mind, he's the he's the complete difference maker. And it's not only him. Zach Gallen's been great. There've been other guys that have been really good. But having Corbin Carroll be like an MVP kind of candidate, I think everybody on the team starts thinking we're we're pretty good. Like there's like we we can keep doing this. I think that's exactly what's happening uh, in Baltimore. Uh, with with Adley Rushman, I think well, they, they Rushman, have like eight of those guys. They, they I know have, <laughs> they have Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, and Grayson Rodriguez, and like there's there's literally the Orioles have like six guys. None of them is doing exactly what uh, Rushman is close, but none of them is doing exactly what Carroll or Del Cruz are no, doing. No, no, they they're not. Have, they're like, not this, quite MVP. They just have a new but, prospect showing up every week. But I just think that's so cool. I mean, and really, Texas. And I'll give them all the credit in the world for it because I did not buy it whatsoever when they did it. But having Corey Seager and Marcus Semien as their as their double play combination has become again, I think I think that there's just a confidence that comes like, oh, we can compete. Like I look at the Marlins and even to some extent the Giants, and I think to myself, well, how does this last? Like this doesn't this doesn't even make sense to me. Like they like they're they're fine, you know, there's some good players, but there's nobody there that's like gonna 
lift that team up. And, and it doesn't fully make sense. But I look at Arizona. I look at Texas. I look at, at obviously, Tampa, uh, Baltimore. And now the Reds. And I go, oh, there's a lot here. You know I mean? Look, they might yeah. completely collapse. That Look, that, uh, here's what I think. To me, that's the difference between what happened with Pittsburgh early on and what's happening with the Reds now. When Pittsburgh was winning early on, we loved it. But we were like, how do they keep winning with this team? Like, what? Like, this it didn't look like anything cannot... that was like sustainable, really. That's right. Right. That's right. And now you look at this Reds and you go, I don't know, man. I mean, like, there, there's some, there's some really good players. And you, and when you have such a dynamic force uh, like Ellie De La Cruz, and and I think getting Votto back helps. I mean, I don't know what Votto's going to do as a hitter, but. Everybody loves the guy. He's he's always in the middle. I mean, he's. I, I just. I, they've got a vibe. They've got a vibe about them now. Yeah, um, the crazy thing about the Rangers is that they were missing Seager for a really long time. Right. Right. He, Seager's projected stats this year are insane. You want to hear what yeah. they are? <laughs> yes. His projected stats, based on obviously, this is a false read because. I, he's not going to, hopefully, not going to miss the same number of games in the second half he did in the first half, but, but whatever. His projected stats are to play in 94 games, have 42 doubles, 22 homers, and 100 RBI in 94 games. 42 like, doubles in 42 doubles in 94. He has 19 doubles in 43 games this year. And that, and he, and, 43 games is not a lot of games at this point. It's like that's not missed, a lot of games. Missed well, it's 30 basically something a, games. It's basically a quarter of the season. If you're playing yeah. 162, I mean, just multiplying, you know, 19 times four. There you go. That's what you get for, for the pace he's on and 10 homers he's hitting 358. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just killing and, it. And, just but that's, what's it. amazing is that he wasn't there for a full no. month of games out of, no. The, and they got six starts out of DeGrom, just six starts out of Jacob yeah. DeGrom. That was, I mean, you see what's happening to the Mets and, and I'm going to give you, you know, and I don't do this very often on the podcast as people know, I'm giving you full marks on this Thank you. because you kind of called it. You didn't, yeah. you didn't go all in. You didn't go all in and say, this is what I think is going to happen. But you kind of said the Mets have the worst, worst case scenario of any of these teams. Like they're, they're the ones that when you look and go, if it falls apart, it could fall apart badly. Yeah. And it's because of that, like super team concept that never yeah. really works in part, because whenever people talk about super teams, what they're saying is there's a lot of really famous guys on this team. <laughs> yes. And the reason they're famous is they've been around for a long time and that means they're old. And like that that was just like when you really looked at the team, you were like it was like they've they can you know, uh they've got all these hall, they've got Hall of Famers. It's Hall of yep. Famers. They've Scherzer and Verlander Yep, and, Hall of Fame. Uh, and then they've got Edwin Diaz uh, locking down all these games, and they got right. Cody Senga. That was exciting. Yep. And then they had, you and know. you've got Lindor, and you've got Alonzo, and you've got, like, all of these guys are going to be great. And yeah, but when you really. not. Yeah. When you really, like, scratched the surface of what that really meant, you were like, the lineup is like Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> and Lindor, who's been kind of up and down and mostly yep. down. 
Yep. And Jeff McNeil was great last year, but is he going to be that good this year? Probably not. And Probably not. Alonzo Starling Marte is, and Alonzo, all he does is hit homers. That's it. He's a one-trick pony. And Mark Hanna. yeah, yeah. Daniel Vogelbach's in the mix. It was like, if you really actually paid attention to the team, it started to seem really risky to to go to spend this much money on these guys well what they and... needed what they needed was for scherzer and verlander to be scherzer and verlander <coughs> of five years ago or ten years ago i mean even last year for verlander obviously but they needed them to both like they needed to fin- them to finish one and two in the Cy young voting kind yeah of. i mean that's that's why you pay him 43 million bucks a piece you, you're like okay that's though we're gonna have the two best pitchers in baseball it doesn't matter what the regular season is as long as we get in the playoffs because once right. we get in the playoffs, we're taking people out with our two, our top two pitchers. And now it's like making the playoffs? I don't have, I, I don't, don't know. see it. I really don't see it. And, you know, it makes you realize like all of the Sturm and Drong about Edwin Diaz going down. It didn't matter, man. That This team has more problems than Edwin Diaz uh, and his – Injury is ultimately immaterial to what's happened this season. The problem well, is, is they they risked they rolled the dice on two forty year old starters who were bound to not be dominant at some point in their <laughs> lives. Right? It's like at some point, Scherzer and Verlander are going to get knocked around a little bit. They're still both pitching fairly well. Like they're they're you know pitching okay. See, Scherzer, Scherzer had a good one, the good game the other day. Scherzer's have, Scherzer's whip is one sixteen. Verlander's is one twenty one. That's fine. That's like second, third starter kind of numbers. Yeah, but it's not, not what, what they needed, which is they needed what Verlander was last year. That's when right. When he won the Cy Young, like they they needed him to basically replicate twenty eight starts. A .83 whip, a 175 ERA, 175 innings. Like, they needed that year for him to really, uh, you know, to do so this, what they wanted to accomplish, and they're they're not getting it. They're not. They're not. And and I do think that that line I – mean, look, that lineup has been a huge problem. And uh, there, there are very few people out there who, who like and appreciate Francisco Lindor as much as I do. But – He's he's a problem. He's, he's a, a problem. problem. And he's, he's around pro- for he's, a real long time. He's a real there. long time. He's got a 300 on base percentage. He's hitting 217. He's hitting with a little power. I don't think he's as good a defensive shortstop as he used to be. And you've got him for a long, long time. You've got he's got to be like his his and maybe this really ties into sort of the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario for Francisco Lindor should be he's a four war player, right? Like he should yeah, be, yeah. He should be like the minimum, the absolute. Like he should. Some years he should be fighting for the MVP, and then on his bad years he should be like, oh, that was a kind of a down year for him. You know, he 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 only had like a one fifteen OPS plus, and he was a four war player or whatever. Right, and that's not what he is right now. He's a liability on this team. I mean, he's basically league average as a hitter. And, and, and again, I mean, defensively he's, you know, he's, he's up and down. It's, it's a, I don't know. I mean, he's not the problem. He's not the reason this team is struggling. The reason they're struggling is, is both that their lineup is just not very deep or, or challenging as a whole. 
uh, and because their top two starters are not turning into stars. And you can throw Edwin Diaz if you want. They've got a lot of problems. A team paying whatever, $370 million, should not have this many flaws in it. They're paying Lindor $32 million a year every year until 2031. <laughs> like, think about that for a second. We have a presidential election next year. Yes. We'll have that election. Then we'll have a four-year cycle. Then we'll have another election in 2028. That's right. That's then right. we'll have three more years, and the <laughs> the next presidential election will be in full swing before he's off their books. Look, look let's bottom line this. There's no way that uh, Francisco Lindor is even going to get paid in 2031 because baseball players will be replaced by AI by 2031 yeah, for sure, right? They might have to pay him out just because of contract <laughs> law, but yeah, it'll be like the future— like, the world will be very different at the moment <laughs> that they can stop paying him $32 million. It will. It will be, it will be unrecognizable. Like a lot of weird stuff is going to have happened. All right. So, so this is, this is an aside, but I, but I'm going to throw this out to you because I know that you uh, have thought a lot about this AI thing uh, in entertainment and other yeah. forms. So I'm, I am scared to death of AI, but you know, just, just generally not, not in any, sort of very specific ways. But I was like going, man, AI, this is really troubling. And then I was reading a piece today about the concern that, and and it is it is apparently a very well-known concern. I'm not breaking news here. The concern that they're just going to use AI to develop bigger, worse weapons, that they're just going to put AI on it and give AI like seven months or you know, create the, the most destructive weapon you can possibly come up with. And AI will do that because of its, you know, and I just thought, well, sure. I mean, that, that would be the perfect way for us to go out at this point, right? Is just have AI develop the uh, ideal uh, weaponry to destroy the world. I mean, the, the truth is, is no one, including the people who are inventing it and, and perfecting it really know what, its capabilities no. are no ai is a sort of umbrella term for a bunch of different sorts of machine learning <clears throat> yes. that have a that have in theory sort of infinite applications and some of them you're like well that sounds great like for <laughs> because the thing about so uh, so uh, someone explained it to me this way let's talk about training doctors you to train doctors if each individual doctor has to like go through the process of studying and learning and observing and then doing different procedures and each doctor is an island in the sense that each doctor learns what he or she learns and yep. then then that's it then it ends with that person right so one of the advantages of ai is that when one machine learns something, they all learn it, right? right. It, it can right. spread instantaneously, which means you can essentially crowdsource solutions to various problems which would be based on based on you know uh, you know having all these different iterative <laughs> machines. So so in a, in a sense, you're saying like, okay, you set AI to the task of curing a disease right. and it starts to <clears throat> go through different trials and whatever and the second that it makes any kind of advancement all of the other ais yes. that are connected to it also get that advancement and so in theory they're they're working you know in parallel uh 
at a much faster rate than a bunch of individual scientists or researchers. Of course. So you're like, great. And then you're like, well, that sounds wonderful. Maybe we'll cure all diseases. And then the next thing you think is like, but what if someone says, hey, uh, create a super weapon? You have the exact same thing. You have exactly once one of them learns something, they all learn it. And like, and so they, you know, in two seconds, like some group of AI machines is working on curing uh, prostate cancer. (laughs) <laughs> While another group is working on blowing up the goddamn world. And so, like, well, what value is there really to the good parts of this if the bad parts of it right. are just gonna are, are gonna win out and the bad parts of it end the possibility of any of the good parts of it ever meaning anything <laughs> because it's just gonna create bioweapons and like blow up Earth. Yeah, no, that's that I think that's what I mean. This should have been of... the emergency. The emergency for the spots <laughs> no, should have been no, AI. This is secondary to the rats. I think we all understand that's that. That's actually but, true. But <laughs> no, but I think that that's exactly what I mean by this is sort of of course this is inevitable. What we'll do is we'll invent something. We and like I had anything to do with it as humanity will invent AI which will come up with a solution for global warming, right? So it'll it'll actually Come up with a like a real viable solution for global warming that we can implement, and then a different uh, AI will be like, "Yeah, that's great," and I'm blowing up the world. So, like, yeah. we'll get global warming solved, and then the world will blow up uh, anyway. It's 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 daunting. Uh, AI in sports is actually, I mean, it's gonna there is not going to be a part. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a part of society that is going to go untouched. By AI, it, it, it seems like AI is going to be there in every walk of life, and I, I don't know what that would look like in in sports, but it's it's going to be there, right? I just like yes, it, it, yes, it certainly is, and I I love that like every time one of the people who is working on the technology is interviewed, they're like, yeah, we got to slow this down. Like you guys got to regulate us because we really don't know what's going on here. And the the I've listened to a lot of podcasts about AI recently because of the the Writers Guild strike. Where it's an sure. issue for writers, and and I wanted to educate myself. And there's some uh, uh, very very good podcasts about it. Uh, Ezra Klein did a a whole series on it. If you like that podcast, uh, I recommend it. But one of the like kind of amusing things, amusing in a in a I'm using that term sort of ironically. Sort of a dark way, yeah. Yeah, is that they're... In order for people to make money on this, it has to be licensable. In other words, you have to... uh, These companies have to be able to say like, okay, we invented this uh, technology and we're going to license it to hospitals to do medical research or or science labs. We're going to license it to schools to teach kids different things, whatever, right? So, but but because the way that it learns, generative AI, the way that it learns is it just scrapes information from the internet that's that's publicly available, right? And then kind of pieces it together and creates, you know, an, an understanding. You know, there's this thing called predictive AI, which basically like the way that it generates, like ChatGPT, the way that it generates, as I understand it, uh, text is by saying like, what is the most likely next word to come right. in this sentence? So. It's read 10 billion articles about the Cincinnati Reds. And then when it spits out an article about the Cincinnati Reds, given a prompt that says, tell us what you think the Cincinnati Reds' chances to win the World Series are based on, you know, their current record and their call up of uh, various prospects. 
So it reads everything it can in a billionth of a second about the Cincinnati Reds. And it says the Cincinnati Reds have a very good chance to make the playoffs. They're currently in first place in the NL Central. <laughs> uh, they just called up their superstar prospect, Ellie De La Cruz, who has already proven himself at the major league level. But it's just doing that based on having read a bunch of other articles. Right. So there's this amusing part of this, which is that like these company, in order to make money off it, these companies have to have to uh, sort of like trademark everything and light and then license it. But it's not clear whether they can because they've stolen these things have stolen <laughs> everybody else's work and used it to train themselves. And so they're yes. just kind of everybody is kind of hoping and assuming and like. Like, we'll see, like rolling the dice with the idea that any of this is actually copyrightable or trademarkable, and it's very unclear that it is. And so not only might we blow up the world with this, we might blow it up for something that can't even possibly make anybody any money. <laughs> and, that, and that would be like the kind of the ultimate thing to me is if it ended up, if the courts ended up ruling like, yeah, you can't, you can't trade, you can't copyright any of this stuff because it was stolen in bits and pieces from other people and those and then the companies are like oh well and like just as they're like too bad we did, can't help our company make any money the earth blows up because ai has like invented a super weapon <laughs> that's a perfect ending for this too. yeah no it is there's there's so many uh there's so many but you know look it's 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 definitely going to be a big part of what happens next and yeah and i and i just don't i don't know how that's going to work but i your 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 original point about people constantly doing these interviews saying oh we're, we're just going too fast you know i'm one of the inventors it reminds me of the the, the recent um a bit where they they asked uh rob manfred the commissioner of baseball about the uh, deals that are going on with streaming, all the different streaming deals that are going on. And right. he, he basically said something like, yeah, I'm not sure that they should have made that deal with Apple if we're not going to do this and should they have really made this. And I'm like, who's they? This is yeah. you. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're commissioner of baseball. And, and it does feel like that's how it feels like it's going with AI. It's like, we have got to stop. We've got to slow down and ask some hard questions before we go forward. And it's like, you're the one inventing it. You, yeah. this is specifically you have do, that are doing this. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of buck passing and shoulder shrugging and <laughs> shoulder hand waving. And like, guess we're, sort of like, I guess boy, we this no really seems like it's kind of getting out of control here, huh, guys? Well, Speaking nothing of, we can do about it. <laughs> what What are we going to do? Stop? I mean, like, come on. Um, I, I mentioned uh, Commissioner Manfred because I did want to get your take on his most recent delightful uh, statement. What is What is he doing? <laughs> What, what, I guess, what is he ever doing? But what, yeah. but he, so he came out, I assume this is what you're talking about. And was like, was the question about, do you have any regrets? Yes. The what question was, was specifically, do right. you like, or not even, do you have any regrets? It's what, what are you, what's your biggest What do you wish you'd done differently? Yeah. What's your thing? biggest yeah. regret since, since becoming commissioner? Yeah. And you know, there were a lot of options there. That's yeah. like his biggest regret. He he really could have gone with a whole lot of different options. And instead he was like, yeah, I think my biggest regret is not punishing those players on the Astros yeah. who 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 uh 
who who cheated and and he kind of stayed on it. I mean, like he, it's not like he let go. Like sort of made a brief thing. He was like, yeah, you know, I shouldn't have shouldn't have started with the idea of giving those players immunity. I should have I should have just let the let the uh, you know investigation go, and then I would have been free to punish the players. And it was like that's your biggest regret. First of all. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like, you're the commissioner of baseball. Do you need to be bringing the Astros back up six years afterward? I mean, that's that that could not possibly be less, uh, you know, profitable for the game to go ahead and bring up the like, like, why not just go back and go? Yeah, my biggest regret is all those cheating uh, PED guys, man. I mean, like, wh- what are you bringing up the past okay. for in the first I, I place? I would, I'll disagree with this. I'll push back on you a little bit here. Uh, okay. I think there is some value in admitting that by giving blanket immunity to all of the players who were involved in that scandal and then learning what they learned, which is essentially that it was the players' deal, right? That the players <laughs> were the ones who did it. Right. And then going like, but Jeff Lou, now you're out of here, and and AJ Hinch, you're fired, and right. whatever. When like AJ Hinch, in the story that was told by the players, was completely against this thing. Right. Now, could he have done more? Of course, he could have done more. He could, he could have done a lot more, but of course, he wasn't the problem, and he ended up getting fired. Yep. And the players who get booed everywhere they go, even now. We're the ones who were given immunity. And it, to me, there's a, th- there is some value because that scandal was so trashy. No pun intended. It was a very trashy <laughs> scandal. It was very yeah. low rent and very silly and very embarrassing for the game. And by admitting now, way too late, but it's still admitting that he kind of blew that, I actually was sort of heartened by that. The thing that I couldn't get over was that he seemed like he always seems completely unprepared for the question, right. completely at a loss in terms of how, what to do in a PR way. And the things that he mentioned were he mentioned that scandal, and then he mentioned calling the trophy a piece of metal. Right. 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 Now, bo- both bonehead moves, like without right. question, and both things that I would regret too if I were in his position. But what he didn't mention is like, Something that happened like last week when he said <laughs> that the A's, when he called the A's uh, f- uh, rebel fan rebellion, like, oh, uh, oh, a nice little moment. after. No, Dick. no. He said he said, oh, good to see them getting a league average. Good to see them getting a lead at league average <laughs> attendance. Yeah. 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 Like he didn't mention that, which, it, by oh, the way, no. in in six years, no matter what happens with the A's, he's going to regret oh, that, that as that'll, much that'll, as he regretted calling it a piece of metal. <laughs> You that'll know, be like the, that'll be the interview in six years. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's yeah, why I, I regret say, but that's <laughs> that's what was so shocking to me. I, I didn't, I wasn't upset at him that he said that he regretted those things from a long time ago. What I was upset at him about was that he still seems to have no no gained awareness of his surroundings or of no. his actions that has I, that could help him at all. I agree with you. I'll push back on that though. I I think it was completely and utterly. It it when you when you say when somebody asks you what your biggest regrets are, what they're really asking you to some extent is what lessons have you learned? What how what would you do differently? What would you how would you change? What what have you picked up since then? You know and and so on. And when you bring up the the Astros thing uh, from six years ago, 
first of all, you're not letting that crazy thing die. You're just you're just throwing another log on that fire that was a big black eye for baseball. So that's first of all. Secondly, who who are you hope who is going to listen to you say you regret that and feel and they're going to feel good about it, right? If you're an Astros fan, you're like, "Geez, really? Are you going to bring that up again? Like what? Like 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 it hasn't been talked about enough." And if you're a Dodgers fan, you're like, oh, now you're going to sit there and do something about it? I mean, when it was so obvious, you should have done it then. And if you're a baseball fan, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that Astros thing. Man, baseball sucks. There's like nothing good, nothing good that can come from you See, that's, talking but about But that's what I don't Astros agree. Players. I think that showing remorse better late than never, I think. Like, no, I think I I'm, I'm happy. Because the, it's not remorse. To me, it's not remorse for... Something like saying, I wish I had punished the players. I wish I had hammered those guys. Doesn't. Okay, great. I mean, that's that to me is not a regret. I don't I don't think that when we talk about our regrets in life, they should be like, man, I was just not as punitive as I wanted to be in my life. I just All didn't right. treat I, people. I guess so. You know, I it, to me, it's just, it. look, one way or another, it really came off, I think, poorly. And it's just consistent with him. Like, like man, just, I, I don't know. I mean, does he not trust the people around him to tell him, like, to prepare him for, these are not hard questions. No, none of the, no. like, when he did the A's thing, that's the worst of them all. To me, the ace is even worse than the hunk of metal because the hunk of metal, as stupid as that was, I think what it was pretty clear what he was trying to say, which was, hey, that's a symbol. I'm not about symbols. I'm about whatever. And it was very poorly done. And it's a, it's not a great idea, but I get what he was saying. The ace thing was just snide. It was nothing but uh, an attack on those fans saying, oh, yeah, good for you for actually finally showing up. In in you know after after all this time it's a it is a direct shot at the fans and it wasn't a a mistake it was just a very bad part of him coming out and again did he think nobody was going to ask him about the protest I mean like he's the commissioner of baseball it's it's it is sho- the most shocking thing about him is how he's always caught unprepared. <laughs> No matter what's happening, it's like I fully expect him to give an interview after like game seven of the World Series this year and have the the first question be like, what a series, huh? And have him go like, well, I don't Oh, geez, I didn't feel like you were going to go there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, both teams kind of sucked. So, you know, who knows? One of them had to win, I guess. Like, it's like, yeah, he just always seems like he has no idea what anyone's going to ask him. (laughs) He's the commissioner. He's a really weird person, I think. I think he's a very weird, like lizard brained businessman guy. And yeah. I, I don't I, like I, I could barely pick him out of a lineup. And I feel like the other uh, the other commissioners in sports, I know what their job is. Roger Goodell's job is to just be a human shield to right. protect the 32 billionaire owners at all costs. That's right. And to and to like wave the NFL flag in everyone's face all the time. That's right. 
Adam Silver's job is to kind of like manage the teams and like, and you know, that sport has 50, 50 revenue split with the players. And so he kind of has to, is more, has to be more responsive to the players and, and And, and, and and he's being, being progressive in terms of like welcoming DraftKings and FanDuel and and stuff into the tent and, Trying and, to expand, and global, and yeah, global, global yeah. expansion, I mean, and try to expand to Seattle and uh, and you know, and other cities and whatever. But what is Rob Manfred's job? Like, what is what is <laughs> well, his job at all? Well, it should be all of those things, right? Look, I think he does like sort of clumsily protect the owners. I mean, I think the the whole A's thing was sort of to protect that jerk who who owns the who owns the A's, uh, you know, like that whole organization. So I think certainly he's there to to carry water for the owners. I mean, we've seen that in the in the lockout and everything else. I mean, that's that's a part of his job. Um, what he doesn't well, the the two things that he doesn't seem to uh, like, I don't know if he doesn't see them as part of his job or he's just not good at them. One of them is celebrating the baseball, baseball, which he's horrendous at. I mean, look, you and I, I mean, obviously we've had a very close relationship with Roger Goodell as the commissioner of the podcast. That's right. But no matter what you want to say about Roger Goodell, and we could say a lot, the guy celebrates football like it's the single greatest thing that has it's ever happened. It's all he cares happened. about. It's all he cares about. <laughs> he, The most important thing in the world to him is whatever football game is on right now. <laughs> That's right. And he That's will right. do everything he can in his power to protect the sanctity of that football game. <laughs> That's right. And, it, and he's constantly making mistakes and blundering around and knocking stuff <laughs> over. In a, He's a bull in a china shop. He has a v- extremely poor touch on the ball, as a soccer oh, yeah. fan would say. Like he, <laughs> he sometimes kicks it way too hard and sometimes does it and sometimes whiffs entirely. <laughs> That's but right. his he he has a clarity of purpose. He is an yeah. acolyte. He is Saint Ignatius Loyola and the Catholic Church <laughs> is football. Like he is like whatever whatever he believes is black, he shall declare as white should the church instruct him to do so. <laughs> and that church is football. And so football. I get I like every time that guy messes up, he messes up because he loves football too much and cares right. too much and thinks that football is without question the single most important aspect of life on planet Earth That's right. That's in this right. year. So yeah. I get I get his clarity of purpose. Rob yes. Manfred's screw up seemed to be it, it it is as if they were like, All right, who should we get as the new commissioner of baseball? I have an idea. And just bear with me here. I think we should get someone who doesn't give a shit about baseball. <laughs> who just does not. He doesn't not like it. He doesn't hate it. He doesn't. He doesn't love it. He just doesn't have an opinion about it one way or the other. That's who we should get. And all the other owners were like, yes, good idea. I forget why. Now, if I think back, I forget why that made logical sense at the time. But we all agreed and it made sense to get someone who just didn't care one way or another about baseball well, at all. And, and and also, the second thing is that we need to make it so that whatever situation comes up, no matter what it is, he's not ready for it. He's not he's prepared. Yes, not that's ready. what we want. We want a guy who's never, never seems like he's given any thought to the matter at hand and is never prepared for whatever he's asked for, for the most obvious, easy softball. Yeah. Like, like that'll be like they'll, the all-star game this year is in Seattle. 
So he'll come to Seattle and there'll be somebody who will say, commissioner, uh, you know, this is the first time the All-Star Game's been in Seattle in, you know, X number of years. How do you think Seattle's doing? And he'll be like, whoa, 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 what? Wait, wait. Like, you well, want me to no talk better about- than any other city would have done. <laughs> I mean, who, like, it's not like Seattle's so great. Why is Seattle so great? This All-Star Game could have been anywhere. It would have been fine. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Like, Mr. Commissioner. Like, oh, just, whoa, whoa. And he's like, and then later he'll be like, I shouldn't have said that about yeah, Seattle. I mean, I was just taken, I was taken off guard. I wasn't expecting a question about how Seattle was doing with the All-Star game. I, I had just flown into Seattle for the All-Star game, but I wasn't expecting anyone to ask me anything about the All-Star game that was being played in Seattle. I apologize. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was, I did not see that coming at all. I swear was, to God, I, I'll bet you anything if you could hang out with him. During a game, he is leaning over to whoever he's with and going, now, so if the guy, if there's a guy on on second base, can does he have to run to third if there's nobody on first base? I don't think he knows anything about baseball. See, I see, I don't think so. I think I don't think this, I think he certainly knows. What I think is happening, if you're watching the game with him, what I think is happening is he's like sort of facing the field and sort of pretending to like care what's happening because that's his job as he sees it. And then it's sort of like, when when can we leave? Like when? Yeah. Like like I've got I've got other. I don't things think I've he likes do. baseball. I legitimately don't think he likes baseball. I'll say that. I don't. I don't. He doesn't talk like to him. And I. To me. Well, it depends what you mean by baseball fan. Certainly, he's not somebody who like baseball is the most is the best thing in the world, Tim. Like you don't get that feeling at all. And I'll say this: Bud Selig, I think, was a was a you know had many 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 flaws as a commissioner. But Selig loved baseball, man. Loved baseball. loved baseball. He loved it. <laughs> just loved it. Just, yeah. Dave Vincent loved baseball. Oh, sure he did. I mean, a Bartlett, Bartlett Giamatti oh, loved baseball. Loved the, and it's funny because they all love baseball in different ways. Like Bart Giamatti loved the the geometric the poetry, greener, yeah, the, the poetry yeah. of it. And Bud, for for whatever you want to say, Bud was like a ketchup on the side of his mouth, hot dog eating, yeah, baseball guy, a right? Slob. Yeah, <laughs> he was a slob who just loved the game, loved him so. I watched Hank Aaron when I was, you know, a used car salesman, and it was like the greatest thing. And then Rob is like, he's a, he's a labor lawyer. He's a labor lawyer who became. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like always, oh, oh, and he probably like said to all of his friends, like, "Oh yeah, I'm a big baseball fan." But like, a big baseball fan to like a labor lawyer might just mean a different thing. It just might be like, "Yeah, I have it on in the background when I'm making deals." I love, I love watching baseball in the background as I calculate how much like marginal income we can squeeze <laughs> out of the next CBA by applying like new new tax breaks that we got through our lobbying arm to the local revenue generated by the TV deals. Like yeah, that's how exactly. that's what I think he likes about baseball. Like I don't yeah. think he I don't think he's either like let's get a dog and a beer and sit in the bleachers guy. I don't think he's oh, a no I don't way. think he I don't think he's a he I love the poetry love the po- and the majesty no, and the no, field of no. dreams and if Look, you build now, it they will come guy. I'm now I'm now thinking of another thing that he said once that which got him in some hot water at the time for a different reason. But now that I think about it this totally fits what we're talking about. Remember when he was talking about how he wished Mike Trout was more out there promoting the game? Yeah. And he he kind of he made this whole thing about you know like players have to make up their own minds but obviously it would be good for baseball if Mike Trout was like out there promoting the game and and being you know blah 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 and he and he got ripped for it as he should have 
But now that I think of it, have you ever heard him say like, man, Mike Trout's fun to watch? You know what I mean? No. Like, like those words would never come out of his mouth. No, I don't think he cares. I, I don't think he knows <laughs> what it means to be fun to watch. Like I've, I've never heard him say like, man, I just love Ichiro. I love watching <laughs> right, that guy play. Right. Or like, have you guys seen like Jordan Hicks throw a fastball? It's insane. Like I've, I've literally like you, you can hear this is what I'm, my point is. You can hear Roger Goodell be like, "Oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a, the <laughs> one of the greatest." He'll like weigh in on the actual guys in the game. Sure. I here's he, okay over under over under right now. He Rob Banford could name thirty professional baseball players. <laughs> If you just, no, no. I see. There's where I disagree with you. I think he can name hundreds of baseball players, but in his mind, he's thinking about where they stood during the lockout, like where, like, okay, like, where they, like, like he's he could name them. Now, could he name? If you asked him, who are your? First of all, it would be the best thing. Who are your ten favorite players to watch? Yes, it'd be the great. best thing because he would have no. First of all, he would never see it coming. Nope. And he'd be like, they're he all the same. So I mean, flustered. <laughs> None of them are good. They're all bad. Nobody's good at baseball. Like he would be so flustered and freaked out if you were like, "Hey, who's the who's who's the center fielder for the Anaheim Angels?" He would go, "Well, for the they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because of a clause in the contract of the stadium lease. First of all, and second of all, who cares? None of the no teams are good. All teams are bad. Baseball's bad. You're bad. You're a bad reporter, and this is a bad question, and you're bad. That's what would happen. I I seriously don't know what would happen to that guy's brain." What? Let me, uh, yeah, whatever. What I, I don't think he likes baseball. That's my that's my official podcast position. I legitimately don't think Rob Manfred likes baseball in the way that what? any of any one of us likes baseball. What would happen if during the baseball draft he was there and the players went in for a hug, like the players who were there, like and they just went in for a Rob Manfred hug? That would that would just be. He wouldn't know what to do. He literally would not no. know what to do. And when you hear, like, I watched the NBA draft the other night, and they're all, like, like a bunch of them were crying after they were drafted. It was very right. cute. And they were like, tell us about your emotions. And they were like, I just can't believe it. Like, hearing Adam Silver say my name right. is, like, the greatest moment of my life. Can you imagine any baseball player ever <laughs> saying anything about something involving Rob Manfred being the best day of their life? Like, Goodell hugs all the players. And Adam Silver daps up or hugs and or hugs all the players. <laughs> Rob Manfred, I don't think cares at all about any of this stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to say. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For one hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details. All right. We're, we're going to do our draft. Before we do that, I will ask you, did, this is a simple yes or no question. Did the Charlotte Hornets blow it in the draft by taking uh, Brandon Miller number two? I don't think so. I mean, okay. what the hell do I know? I mean, uh, everybody, in Char every yeah, everybody in Charlotte's freaked out and horrified by it. They're I, horrified I mean, by it. The idea that you would have any way to know one way or the other no. now. No. I, 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 think, I, I think the truth about the NBA draft is... 
there are there's usually one guy in every draft that it's like, well, that, you take that guy if you can because he's a can't yeah. miss player. And everyone else is like, I mean, you know, everybody. No, else but there's a, one guy in this draft that is going to change a franchise, probably. Right. Right. And and I mean, it, it could be two guys, but I mean, that's how it. Go- and sometimes that guy is Draymond Green in the second round or something. But but there's going to be like a guy that's going to change the the landscape, and. The Hornets have been horrendous for a while. Finally, Michael Jordan is selling the team. And I think you and I, I, I mentioned this uh, the other day, that this sort of fits in the things that you and I uh, believe, like things that that we don't talk enough about. You know, like we don't, we can't possibly talk enough about yeah. how great Shohei Otani is. We can't talk enough about how terrible an owner Michael Jordan has been. Like, I don't Incredible. think there's a, there's a, there's no limit. So now he's coming out and... And it's like, all right, well, maybe this is a new start. You're going to go with something. And it felt like there was a safe pick and sort of the exciting pick. And Brendan Miller might end up being the best guy in this draft. I'm not, I don't know enough about any of this to say, but he felt like the safe pick. And I think that's why people in town were just kind of like, boo. I mean, it's going to be so long before Charlotte matters as an NBA franchise. They need... (laughs) They need this pick to work, and then they need their next two picks in the next two years right. to work. And they need. Well, you like Lamelo, though, don't you? I do like Lamelo. I feel like Lamelo is yeah. good, but they but they need so many things to go yeah. right that it's all, yeah. almost like I mean, I, I I would not fret about this pick right now a day after the draft. Like let's wait, <laughs> let's wait a year before we start fretting about this stuff. Uh, all right. Anyway, all right. Here we go. It's time. It is time for our first draft in in quite a while. And I thought since we're kind of bringing the draft back, uh, you actually suggested this. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to draft interesting sports facts that the other person might not know. That's right. So so we're each coming with sort of interesting sports facts that are, you know, when we had to dig deep for some of these, I think these are like obscure. We're going for the most obscure kind of like arcana. Like we, that's right. Cause we both right. know a lot about sports and we know a lot about histories and, and players, and everything else. So like fun, like Ripley's believe it or not level. <laughs> right. Can you believe this right. thing is true about this particular player? Right. And obviously yeah, so bonus go- points if they're famous players, but they don't have to be famous players. No, no, be, no. This is, yeah. but this is something kind of this will, it'll blow your mind a little bit. You, you, you didn't yeah. know it and it'll probably blow your mind because it's so, it's so wild. It's like, it's just really? so that- like it, you, you think, you know, a guy, you think, you know, a sport, you think, you know, history. Right. And then some, someone comes along with a little tidbit, a little nugget of <laughs> A little of nugget trivia. that just goes, whoa, just, yeah. it turned my entire world a little bit. All right. Yeah. I will start off. And this is, and and to me, the number one pick is obvious uh, for me, because this is, I, I this is so mind blowing. Did you know? Yeah. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, this is about? this. No, he was cut. He was actually cut. Michael Jordan, who many people would say is the greatest. greatest we wouldn't of all hear time. on the podcast. No. Some would say the greatest of all time. As a sophomore, cut from his varsity basketball. That's, team. that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. There's no way. Let me look that up. Hold on a second. Clickety clackety clickety. Clickety clickety. Website and yep. oh my god. Incredible. Oh my god. <laughs> Michael Jordan. 
legendary at, at legendary. North Carolina. Legendary right. with six times six and zero in the finals. <laughs> Michael Jordan, sixty three points in a playoff loss to the Celtics. That's right. For greatest, maybe the second greatest or greatest player of all time. <laughs> he was cut by his it's, high school basketball team. That I couldn't is wild. believe it. I couldn't believe it. I wow. could not believe it. So all right. I I got that's good. That's a good uh, little bit. That's of a good. That's I've, a good starter. I've got one for you that uh, I think is going to shock you. Uh, okay. Because it's about it's also about a famous player. You know Tom Brady, of course. Well, of course. Seven, Maybe seven greatest, Super Bowls. Probably the greatest, greatest quarterback football player. Ever. Of all time, yeah. yeah, probably the greatest quarterback. Seven Super Bowl titles, played in ten Super Bowls, multiple Amazing. time and an yes. MVP. Tom Brady, when he came out of college, he went to Michigan. When he came out of okay. college, he was not drafted until the sixth round of the NFL draft. What? I swear to God. That's not up. true. That's he was not the true. 199th pick. No. So every team no, in the minute. NFL not... passed on him multiple times, including the Patriots. Sixth round, 109. Like you would you would assume, like, oh, top five pick, maybe number one overall. No. He uh he did not uh, famously look very good uh physically at the combine. Oh. There's a very funny photo of him that I'll bet you've never seen of him at the combine looking kind of average. Uh, he, you know, he had a good career at Michigan, but it wasn't like an uh, amazing career. And then so he and he just got passed on. People didn't think he was good and, and athletic this enough. And uh, this yeah. isn't I mean, look, I'm looking it up. That can't be true. He's Tom Brady. Tom Brady couldn't have been drafted in the sixth Isn't that wild? round. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Totally yeah, true. You're, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Wow, this is incredible. Just yeah. this is incredible stuff. Well, it's again, um, you don't you don't learn these things unless you're kind of in deep like. Well, we that's right. You have to you have to be sort of a you have to be kind of a nut the you way have to we be are. a little bit loony and a kind of get bit. real deep in the weeds in order yes. to kind of find this yeah. stuff out. Yeah. Okay, here's one. I it's mind blowing. You know Dave Winfield, right? Dave Winfield is in the Hall of Fame. Of course, I, I mean, know Dave Winfield. He's one yeah, of the greatest excellent baseball player. Very, very one good of the greatest basketball. One of the greatest baseball players ever. I think you know what I think about him all the time is like, man, to be good, to be as good as he was at baseball, it's just you got to dedicate your whole life to it. You're, you know, you, you got to start. That's you got to exactly start when right. you're like four years old, and you just got to do nothing but play baseball your whole life. That's what you would think. Dave Winfield was drafted by. Not only baseball team, which obviously we know, he was drafted by an NBA team and an NFL team. He was shut drafted in three. No, shut up! Shut up! I that is not possible. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Let when I just, found that I, out, I, gotta, I was like, "I gotta look this up." Let me just uh, click yeah, clickety clackety. Here we go. And yeah, you're right. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! I mean, could, can you believe that, Dave Winfield? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I just don't believe that anyone who plays one sport could ever also be good at another sport. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. There's it's crazy never to think been about any that. evidence that that's true <laughs> or possible. <laughs> okay. Um, you remember Darren Erstad, the the baseball out, player, the great outfielder you, for the uh, Angels. Sure. Mostly. Yeah, it was on like two thousand two. Yeah, that one great year. He was on that 2002 team that uh, won the World Series. Who doesn't remember that? Of course. I've got a, I've got a crazy little bit of trivia for you. Oh, my Darren God. Darren Erstadt okay. right? played football at Nebraska and was a punter. What? 
Darren Erstad. No, no, no. The, uh, Darren Erstad is a baseball player. You, I you got know, that wrong. I know. No, he is, no. But this he, is not he right. He went to Nebraska and he was a Wait. punter. And if you ask me, it was that kind of hard nosed kind of football player punter mentality that really kind of made him into the baseball player that he was. Oh, wow. That is kind of. Now it kind of, of makes sense, right? When you think about Darren Erstad, you're like, it does. It, it there's may, something but, about but still, that guy. Something about him. I could see that, but. Wow, so he played football in college, you're saying? That's right. Yep. Oh, wow. All right, well, that leads right to mine, which is, so you know Tony Gonzalez, the great tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course. And you you probably know Antonio Gates, the great tight end for the Chargers, among other teams. Listen to this, because this is true about both of them, which I I cannot believe this. Both of them played college basketball they both played basketball in I, no, college no no they did they did i'm just clickety clacketing here and looking <laughs> up yes you're right they did they both unbelievable and now it basketball. makes sense because i always wondered when tony gonzalez would score those touchdowns he would like kind of dunk the football over the goalpost like in, in celebration yeah that was a clue remember that that was a clue that Apparently, was a clue that we should have picked up on it would have been so much clearer if any of us had known that he played basketball also. Then it would have been like, oh, this makes sense. Because I would watch it and I'd think, well, what are you doing, man? Well, this, you know, this it's is, just this so is funny because there's no way that I could have ever guessed that a professional athlete like Antonio <laughs> Gates or Tony Gonzalez, who's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and, and, and weighs like 240 to 280 pounds, that's right. An would ever even, how would it have ever occurred to them to play basketball? Like, how would it have even, like, I would never, like, be a jockey or whatever. Like, no, why did it occur right. to that's them? Right. It's just wild. It's, it's wild. Hey, hey, do you remember uh, the baseball manager, Joe Madden? Ooh, Joe Madden. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's a little tidbit for you that no one's ever talked about ever uh, once or written about. Joe Madden <laughs> loved red wine. He did? Yeah, he was no. a big red wine enthusiast. Yeah, I just, uh, I, it's a little bit of information I picked up based on a, a couple sources that I checked it out he, with. I got some, he, he, they spoke to me off the record under pseudonyms, but I've gotten it confirmed. Joe Madden loves red wine. No one ever talks about it. You know, there was well, never any that, article about it or no one ever wrote about it. But yeah, he really loves no. red wine. And it doesn't, and it doesn't seem like him at all to like red wine. I mean, like that. No. Like if you when you when you saw that guy, you never thought, oh, that guy probably drinks red wine. Never. never. That that thought would never have crossed your mind. No. All right, here's one really for does. you. I, I don't think I need to even ask you. You will remember Mariano Rivera, right? You you certainly remember Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Closer yeah, for absolutely. the Yankees. Yeah. Mariano Rivera is the last player in baseball. To wear number forty-two. <laughs> Why is, is that? An, is that a coincidence or something? Just no, <laughs> no one no, chose no. forty-two. No, apparently they uh, retired the number forty-two for Jackie Robinson, which is, oh, okay. which is a very nice thing for them to do. That is, nice. but uh, but I think it's it was like one of those trivia questions. People were going to be like, "Who was the last guy to wear number forty-two before they retired the number?" And nobody knows. It's like one of those trivia questions when you ask people, they yeah. go, oh, I don't know. That could be anybody, right? That could be anybody. No, it was Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera. That is wild. Like Isn't that, that wild? 
Because, yeah, you it's like Jackie Robinson was such a great player and also Mariano Rivera was such a great player. And it just seems unlikely that two great players would have ever worn the same uniform. Worn the same number. That's It's really crazy. It's really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, did you know that... <laughs> did you know that... You know Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez? The basketball Oh, yeah, players? yeah, yeah. The basketball player, sure. Here's a little fun little nugget. They love Disneyland. What? Yeah. No one ever what? talks about this. You never hear anyone talk about it. But apparently the two of them love Disneyland. They both love Disneyland. Yeah, they Are just they, go to Disneyland do, all the time. How how do they even know each other? Oh, they're brothers. They're, I should have mentioned that. They are? Yes, Brooke Lopez and Robert Lopez are brothers. Uh, they're both 7'3", and what? they both play professional basketball. And and, uh, and they crazy. and and they both love. Or not, they're not seven three. I think they're seven feet seven. One, no, that's still crazy. But the point is, uh, yeah, they just love Disneyland, and apparently they, they even like have a. I think they live near Disneyland in Orlando, and uh, yeah, they that's love a, Disneyland. That, that's that's that unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you would again. How did I not know this? Like that's kind of a super cool thing that somebody should talk about at some. Someone point. should write about that or mention it somewhere. Mention you know? it somewhere. Here's something. When I found this out, I was like, you're kidding me that nobody's talked about this. You have got to be kidding me that I've never seen this before. Okay, I don't need to tell you how great Clayton Kershaw is. Clayton Kershaw is one of the one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the First game. First ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer, gonna go down in in the in the annals with the greatest of all time. And I don't need to tell you how good Matt Stafford is as a quarterback. Of course not. But, Fantastic! Won the Super Bowl Super just Bowl two champion. years ago. Just, just and, might end and, up being the all-time yardage leader if he gets. Yeah, put up, healthy. put up yeah. huge numbers. This is this is going to blow your mind. Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford, two guys who you would never connect in no. your mind. Why would I? What went to high school together? Get out! They of here. actually went to high school together. You're telling me that two. <laughs> World-class professional athletes in two different sports went to the same high school same at the same time. Same high school. Time. You would never... Look, is that possible? Maybe. I guess in theory. Maybe in theory. I'll tell you this, though. It's never happened before. <laughs> never happened before. And no it'll time, never happen again. At no time in history have two really renowned athletes had any connection when they were kids. That's never no. happened. I have one more, um, which is a fascinating little tidbit that I uncovered. You remember Brett Favre? Brett Favre, sure, the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, quarterback for the uh, Packers, mostly. Packers, we played with the yeah. Vikings, Vikings, played with the, the Jets. Jets for a year, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Brett Favre. So, how how old would you say Brett Favre was when he played in the NFL? Like, what what? How old was he when he got to the NFL, and how old was he when he left the NFL? Oh, I would say he, when he got there, he was probably 20-something, 22, 23. Right. Yeah. And probably when he retired, like all quarterbacks, he probably was 35, 36. No, he, he was like actually that. a little older. He was, in his, he was in his 40s. He played for a really long time. But the point really? is, is that, okay. yeah, the point is, is that Favre, though, for the entire length of time he was in the NFL, yeah. he, was, he was an adult, right? Sure. He was, a, he was an adult man. We can agree on that. I think that we can all but agree on that. Something I've learned about him is that when he was playing, the whole time he was playing, he just looked like a kid out there. <laughs> he, how how can you look like a kid? I don't know. When you're an I, adult I don't, like sure, that. I, actually, I'm not going to lie. I don't totally understand it. <laughs> but uh, according to a number of my sources, when Brett Favre played, he looked just like a kid out there. That's crazy. And I think what they mean is that 
is that uh, kids like Brett Favre would have thrown a lot of interceptions <laughs> if they were actually it, playing. It, I it, think that's it, what they mean. It, it could mean that, uh, like kids, he would uh, do a lot of things that would get him in trouble. Like it could be yeah. that. Like right, yeah. kids get in trouble a lot. Kids it do a lot of be. really stupid things. Yeah, here's something it could be. I mean, and this is just me speaking off the top of my bed. It could be that, like kids. He will defraud the state government in order to uh, make a lot of money. Yeah. Just uh, to like build... a kid, w- exactly. Yeah, just like a kid right. would do. He engaged in in a lot of uh, welfare fraud. <laughs> welfare fraud. That's that seems like a kid thing. All right, I've got a few. I just want to throw out at you, and and these Great. are more just. These are not as big as some of the others. I, I love these. I mean, out. I love le- I love learning things about love the, learning about sports. Right. You know? Here, okay, so. This is a little obscure, but you remember the old quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Of course. He went to Harvard. Did you know that? Harvard He went what? to Harvard. No, Harvard. The Harvard. Harvard, Harvard University? University, yeah. I don't he believe went you. To... No, that doesn't no, no. seem likely. But he's a quarterback, and he went to Harvard. That's he just played in crazy. the NFL. That's not an intellectual pursuit, per se. <laughs> so how it's, could it's... he have gone to Harvard and still played football? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna, no, I'm I know. A, I'm not going to look this one up. I'm just going to say that you're, you're wrong. Well, if you think I'm wrong about that, how about this one? Matt Patricia, you know the coach, Matt Patricia? Yeah, yeah. Think, you always had yeah, a pencil he, behind his ear and stuff. Always had, yeah. Super, super, you know, coach. Matt Patricia chose football, but he was actually on his way to becoming a rocket scientist. Did what? you know this? No, this is crazy. Crazy. I'll a tell you what he scientist. should do. He should hang out with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went to Harvard. Then <laughs> a couple of a couple of really smart guys in the NFL. Yeah. You would not expect that at you all. You never expect that. Yeah. Okay. Here's 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 some more. Uh, you, Ryan Tannehill. I don't think we. You know, we all know Ryan Tannehill, sure. the the, the fine quarterback for uh, quarterback for, for the, the Dolphins uh, and the Titans and yeah. Dolphins and the Titans and all that. He was a wide receiver in college. He was well, a wide receiver the, in okay. college. First of all, the top of my head just blew off with the force of that revelation. <laughs> but second of all, you remember Julian Edelman, the wide receiver for the Patriots who made a, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of great catches. Sure. He was a quarterback in college. No. What? He went to Kent State and played quarterback <laughs> and then was drafted and converted into a wide receiver. Isn't that wild? So, so he converted into a wide receiver. Ryan Tannehill re- re- uh, converted into a quarterback. Like, I, I didn't think the NFL did that. I thought they just, whatever position you played before, you I have to play that, that for the I, rest of your life. I could, be, I could have been wrong. I guess I was wrong. But I thought you basically had to declare a position when you were about 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> And then that was it. That's that the, there was no, the rest of your life. Yeah, no, there's no, no getting out of it. Like, I'm okay. I'm an offensive tackle. And if you later were like, wait, I want to be a quarterback, they were like, no, sorry. You wrote I, this on this is, form in, in 11U Pee Wee football that you wanted to be an offensive tackle. Look, I just think these are super interesting facts. Why, why aren't we hearing about these? Why are people not telling us? More? I don't know. It's almost conspiracy stuff. Of yeah. Like, well, some why, of this what, stuff what, is... Why do they not want us to know these things? Right. That's the some question we should really is, be asking. Well, like, like, how could we not know? How could nobody? Steph Curry is one of the greatest athletes in the world. One of the most famous, greatest basketball players in the world. Steph Curry when he came out of high school, had only one college scholarship offer, and it was to Davidson. 
Come Steph on. Curry. I mean, we're talking about Steph Curry here. How does that Duke happen? Duke didn't want him. Kentucky didn't Duke, want him. I mean, Kansas, his own, North Carolina. His, his dad played at Virginia Tech. They didn't want him. Like, it, like it, it's. Look. Why would they not have wanted him when it was so obvious that he was the greatest shooter of all time based on what he did many years later? Exactly. How could they not have seen into the future to know that he was going to be the greatest ever? All right, here's the last one for you. And and this is just sort of a personal one for me. You remember Pau Casal? Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. terrific, terrific, terrific basketball uh, Hall of Famer, just got all his number the- retired by the Lakers. Terrific player. Yeah. Did you know that Pau Gasol, who was a basketball player, let's make that clear. I remember, went, yeah. Went to medical school. Pau Gasol went to medical school. Again, I just <laughs> don't understand why this is the first I'm hearing of this. That's what I mean. You would think, like, look, do people have so much to write they can't tell us these things? I, I don't know. It's mind boggling. Did you know George Bush Sr. played baseball at Yale? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's a he's a president. He was, he was the a, United he, States president, and he also played baseball. I I look. Yale. I didn't know that. I did not know that. I did hear, and I I never believed it, but I did hear that former President Gerald Ford played football at Michigan. I don't know if you ever heard that. <laughs> I'm just laughing because of how ludicrous it is that a president could also play sports. It's it's, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. All right, we got through that. I have no idea how we got through that, but we we made it all the way through. All right, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. And uh, you know what? I'll start because I think All you've right. got a really exciting one because you've had a, an exciting last week. I had an exciting weeks. one last week. I don't have anything as exciting. Okay. Last week. Well, but the you had an week, exciting. There is, there is, I'll give you an update on last week's one. Oh, last week that's exciting. Time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my one last meaningless thing is I, I spent the last few days cleaning out my uh, closet, which is, which has been a, a huge mess and, and a disaster. And I finally just said enough is enough. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to clean it completely out. And it, it took a long time. And I found quite a few goodies in there, which uh, at some point I might give away. Uh, to people because I I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I don't think I have. Um, I wrote a book and um, baseball 100. No, no. I wrote another book uh, called why we love baseball about a different subject though. No, no. It's also about baseball. It's also about baseball. Yeah. It's also a baseball book. How many pages, how many pages long was the baseball 100? The baseball 100 was 860 pages long. And how many words was it? Uh, it was 280,000 words. I think that's right. 275, so, 280,000 So you wrote a 280,000 word book about baseball. <laughs> that's it was right. 860 pages long. That's correct. And you, and you published it. It was a big success. It came out. It was a bestseller on the New York yeah. Times list for many, yep. many weeks in a row. Sold 
thousands, tens of thousands of copies. Many copies, yes. And then that was over, and you thought, what do I want to write about now? Oh, I know, baseball. <laughs> well, what I thought was, this book is called Why I Love Baseball, Why We Love Baseball, and I thought that I didn't get into that in the Baseball 100. I didn't get into the why we love baseball part. Of, Nowhere of in your 280,000 <laughs> word book about baseball did you talk about whether you why we love baseball. It. I know, which, which to me now looking back seems like an oversight. Well, I, I like, but here's what I would say. I, I question whether Rob Manfred likes baseball. I don't question whether you love baseball. Rob, If Rob Manfred wrote an 860 page book about baseball, I would go like, okay, case closed <laughs> that guy likes baseball like i don't think anyone was i don't think you should have been concerned that anyone was thinking you didn't love baseball i wanted people to to know though like i wanted people to feel like they they knew so uh this book is called why we love baseball it is a countdown of the most magical moments in baseball history it is coming out september 5th uh i have mentioned this before uh but if you uh if you have not heard or even if you have i'm going to tell you again We've got numerous uh, very cool pre-order offers going at various places, but the uh, coolest one, I think, is at Rainy Day Books in Kansas City. And what has happened is at Rainy Day Books, going up to Father's Day, we had a special offer where I would inscribe anything you wanted me to inscribe into the book. Uh, and uh, we got an incredible response to that. And, uh, but that is now over. So we are now at phase two at rainy day books and phase two is you will still, you can still pre-order a signed book and it will not only be signed, it will be inscribed with something super cool that I just decide to inscribe. Like you might get a book and it's totally random. So you might get a book that goes, here are the top three Seattle Mariners of the eighties, or, you know, it'll just, it's going to be completely random, completely fun. So I hope you pre-order. But what I wanted to mention was as part of this, we are giving away and by we, I mean, the people at rainy day books are giving away prizes, lots and lots of cool, fun prizes, uh, to various, uh, random people. If you pre-order the book, you will be, uh, eligible for prizes. I think there will be some prizes everybody's going to get, uh, some prizes only a few people are going to get and some prizes, some like top level prizes from my closet that I picked out the other day, including you will be happy to know this, Mike, somebody out there will get an official Chicago <clears throat> Cubs podcast jersey signed Ooh. by you and me and and uh, and our good friend Nick Offerman. So somebody is getting one of that. So that's I'm just saying. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, so go ahead. So less great for the person who gets it than for me because I get to <laughs> sign a jersey. That makes me seem cool. It did make you seem cool. You you really enjoyed signing that jersey, as I, I recall. Yeah. So uh, so yes, yeah, so you can pre-order over at rainydaybooks.com, and uh, you'll be eligible for prizes. There's also a little a little uh, slot for you to write why you love baseball, and uh, we're going to look at those and 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 go with those. And if you're Reason is super cool. You'll get a prize and and uh, you get mentioned and all sorts of fun stuff. So there's all sorts of things going on with that. And what we are trying to do inevitably is break the record, uh, pre order record of a guy who will go nameless, who who sold many many copies of his book at Rainy Day mm. uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, we are trying to break his record. And and we're we're closing in. 
We're getting close, but we're not quite there yet. Now, where? why are you trying to break this guy's record? This guy sounds cool. He sounds like a, a sort of dashing, swashbuckling <laughs> sort of James Bond type. No, that's not that's figure. not how I that's not how I I'm picturing a him. sort of like uh like a Clark Gable like a, Clark a thin Gable mustache with, and with a tuxedo a and a and a martini. I, I don't I don't think that's sort of what he's going for. I don't think that's what he's about. And he's also the worst and he <laughs> the record needs to go down and uh we'll I don't know. I'm now I'm on this anonymous in. other guy's <laughs> side and I hope you don't break his record. We're, we're we're closing in. We're we are closing in. Getting back to my one last meaningless thing. That yes, I that was all a log. That was all, all a, diver- a log- all a diversion. All, all a diversion to go ahead and, and tell you once again to help uh, help me break this record. Um, but there will be prizes, and and so I found all this cool stuff. But here was the thing, and I'm curious if your life is like this too. I probably found three hundred different kinds of hangers in my closet oh yeah <laughs> like Easily. literally yeah and like it fills up two gigantic bags of uh, that i've thrown out and they were most of them did not even have anything on them they were just yeah they were just they're around. just empty hangers yeah, yeah absolutely where and some of them are like super fat some of them are wire and some of yep. them are made out of other material and some of them are like there's this one kind i really hate which they're really really thin but they're but there's like they're elongated so like mm-hmm. they're just weird and some have like things that are very difficult to even put on the on the pole they don't they don't even quite fit on the pole and i don't have any idea why i have this many hangers i don't anymore but i have well no idea. it's and, like and, it's like every time you get anything dry cleaned they put unless right. you specifically tell them not to you get a hanger so you go to four yes. different dry cleaners they use four different kinds of hangers True. You you uh you buy you a suit, you buy a jacket, buy a you buy a suit shirt, or anything buy... that comes with its own hanger. Someone yes. at some point you in the past you needed hangers and you went out and you <laughs> bought a six pack of a special kind of hanger. Like but it, it it's just they've just find their way into your life. It's unreal. Way. And they're yeah. all different. They're all I, I could not believe how many different kinds of hangers I somehow ended up with in my life. Yeah. And some are just, I mean, some are the worst. I mean, some of those like super fat ones, like they'll take up like, Terrible. you know, like, what, you what also probably accidentally for? took some home from hotels in the past because you just grabbed, <laughs> you know what I mean? You grab a hanger and put it in there. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I have a lot. I have a lot of hangers, but not anymore, but I've, I've cleaned it out that we're going with the, with sort of a one hanger policy from now right. on. And, uh, it's, it's going to change the world. All right. All right. So update on last week. Last week, I told you that a uh, friend of the podcast, Molly Knight, sometime co-host of the podcast, Molly Knight. That's right. Uh, had posted pictures of her dog, which looks exactly like my dog. Yes. So I, I had frantically emailed her, and she hadn't responded like 12 minutes after <laughs> I emailed her. And so I panicked because I had to get to the bottom of this mystery. So That's I right. came on this podcast and I talked about how our dogs look a lot alike. She eventually, I think, was alerted to this fact. We That's have exchanged right. dozens of pictures of our dogs now, <laughs> and they look a lot alike. Now, her dog was found, I think, in Tijuana right. uh, fairly recently, a year ago or something like that. My dog was found in Bakersfield uh, like four years ago. 
that doesn't mean they can't, they're not related. They might have the same dad somewhere down in uh, uh, between Bakersfield and Tijuana. <laughs> Which is uh, certainly possible. Certainly possible. But uh, but what's fun is that now, so we're both on, on Blue Sky, which is the new non-Twitter Twitter alternative. That's right. And she has started doing this thing where she, she posted a picture that said, hey, your dog is in my living room again. And then she posted a picture of her dog. Yes. And then I wrote back and said, like, well, your dog's on a hike and having a great time and posted a picture <laughs> of my dog that looks, that face is in the same pose as the picture that she posted. <laughs> and what's fun about this game, which just started but I feel like it's got legs is that you've taken so many pictures of your dogs that like, no matter what pose she posts or I post (laughs) the other person will definitely be able to find the equivalent (laughs) photo of their dog in the, in the right post. So that's the update Uh, more details to come. I'm going to try to get her to do a DNA test uh, and we'll get to the bottom of whether these two dogs really are related. So delightful. Great, great, uh, great outcome. I think, uh, for me and Molly. Okay. Yes. Here's my one last reading this thing. So, uh, I, you, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before. I believe I have, but I don't care for the New York Yankees baseball team. The you, Yankees? Know, you know, you know that about me. I think yeah, I knew that, but you, you should tell other people. I should. I don't care for them. They're not my favorite team. In fact, I'd venture to say they're my least favorite team. Yeah. So, that, I would say so. My my family and I went on this trip, and we stopped in New York for a couple of days. And when when we were in New York, uh, the Red Sox were playing the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, and I right. thought, well, what a great thing here! <laughs> I'll get to go. I haven't seen a Red Sox game this year. Uh, I'll go to that awful, awful, uh, soulless corporate suckhole of a stadium and That's watch right. the Red Sox play the Yankees. And so I go. I I I went to StubHub. I just StubHub tickets. And I got tickets, and it was really great. David Roth, friend of the podcast, came to the game with me. We had a great time. Delightful. And I brought my son and my son's friend, and it was a great time. So the next day, I get an email from, like, NewYorkYankees.com or whatever that says, Hey, how was your experience at the stadium? <laughs> Respond to this brief survey. No, thank you. Delete. Then the next day, I get a thing that says, like, Hey, are you interested in going to some new more games? Here are some upcoming events at Yankee Stadium. No, no, no. God, no. I'm on a mailing list now. How do I get out of this? I go to the website, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> oh, we're sorry to see you go. In three to five days, you should stop getting emails from us. I don't. I get emails the whole time I'm on this trip. Every day, three emails. Do you want to go see, you know, whatever, Billy Joel at Yankee Stadium? Do you want to go see the Yankees are playing the, the Twins on uh, September 7th? And I just delete, delete, delete. Go to the website, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> Update my mailing preferences. Boom, 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 boom. I cannot get out of this. They can't. There's nothing I can do. I'm getting, I've managed to get it down to just one sort of like subject, which is just the Yankees proper uh, out down from like 50 subjects that they were sending me (laughs) emails for, but I still can't get out of it. So this is, this is not like a minor annoyance for me. This is me every day getting emails from the thing I hate the most in the world. So I do a drastic decision. I make a drastic decision. I'm essentially going to wipe my computer. I'm going to not, not the hard drive, but I'm going to do the thing where you clear the cache, you clear all the cookies and you clear all the browsing history. You clear everything from your computer. And it's really annoying to do that. I know you're supposed to do it like every three months or whatever. It's really annoying because then all of your websites, you got to like, 
find your login info and yep. log back in and the whole thing. everything, the Washington Post and your Amazon account and your this <laughs> and your that. But I was like, I, I, it's the only thing I could think of is that there's a cookie somewhere yeah. on my uh, computer that I got to get rid of. And by the way, side note, we had been in London with our family and I went to ESPN and somehow when I would go to ESPN, it would reroute me to the ESPN.co.uk edition. Okay. So and so even but even when I just typed in you had ESPN.com, it would still reroute me to the UK edition. <laughs> and I it was like so something's going on with cookies. And I was like, I right. just gotta wipe the cookies. I wipe the cookies and I come back uh on the other side of it and I go through all these websites and I log into all the websites and then I realize my wordle streak gone. My, <laughs> oh God. Uh, my all of those games, the Dordle and Quartle and Global and Spelling Bee and all oh, of the games no. that I've been playing since the beginning of COVID that that sort of like that these streaks, these four hundred and fifty eight day streaks right. or whatever that I've had for so long that are like the weird source of pride of like, oh, I found this during COVID and I started playing it and now here I am all these years later. Whatever they are. I, they're all gone because of the goddamn <laughs> New York Yankees. My life got so much worse. All they did was I just wanted to go to one game. You know what it is? The Red Sox won the game I went to. Yes. I think the Yankees were like, we got to punish that guy for first coming in and seeing the Red Sox win a game. And then we're just going to we're going to just stick around on his computer and make him make his life worse. Well, well listen, I don't know if you've ever read any. Uh, philosophy books. I don't know if, if I have. Oh, or... I should have mentioned this before. I you actually have? wrote a book about philosophy. What you you did? I did yes. Called How to Be Perfect. It's uh, it's out in paperback now. Actually, as of very recently, out in paperback. So pick it up at your Interesting. Uh, local bookstore. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder how that book did at Rainy Day Books. I wonder how that. Uh, did there's you, no you, way to you know. Have any memory? No. <laughs> there's no way to. There's no way to tell. You. It seems to me like you have found yourself totally in that no exit. Uh, puzzle, it's right? Like, not, like, like, yeah. because it's. I mean, obviously, that's a completely different uh, structure. I get, but my point being is, whatever you do to try to get out of it, only puts you more in it. It seems to me. Yeah, you know, it's it, not quite no exit. And no exit, they know they're in hell, and they know there's no way to escape. Right. This was me being in hell and and trying to find a way to escape. Right. But I but it's only to the point where you have not realized that there is no way to escape. Yeah, right, right. I guess <laughs> like, the question is like, in the next few days, do I keep getting emails from the Yankees? It was right. It was all for naught. If if it came to it, would you pick up the phone, call the New York Yankees, and demand to be taken off of There is no list? length I will not go to to stop receiving emails from the New York Yankees. And I and by the way, for those of you out there who were judging me, I promise you, I I I didn't just unsubscribe. I went to the website. I unclicked all the things. You did everything. I did everything. I said like, un take me off your mailing list. I I said like, I I I did every version of what you're supposed to do to get out of this, and it hasn't worked. <laughs> I just think they're they're the Yankees. I mean, look, this is what they the Yankees exist. To haunt us. That is yeah. that is their their sole purpose, and this is probably the best way they could haunt you. Is they kind of they kind of stink this you. year a little bit, and we've, yeah, we've talked about this. They they maybe finally stink. I mean, Judge will come back and hit a million home runs and whatever, but but I think that like they're I think that this is them taking their revenge. This oh, is yeah. like a 
This is them like lashing out because they're they kind of stink. The idea of you getting an email the day after the Yankees win the World Series that says we want it all buy season tickets click next he, year click here to buy your <laughs> Yankees World Championship t-shirt or whatever yeah that's yeah, where this is going yeah if that ends up happening i mean seriously that's that that will be among the worst moments of your life yeah i would it's, say that that would sports wise it obviously wouldn't be worse than like the 2003 LCS, but it would be up there. Right. If I if I were getting bombarded <laughs> with emails from the Yankees fan account that were like, join in the celebration of the thing oh. we accomplished together. Oh. Yeah, that would kill me. It, it's not acceptable. All right, well, we're going to get you out of that. We'll, we'll figure out a way to get you out of the Yankees thing. Uh, so, Mike, we're done. We did it. We got through another one. We added a draft. It was I played a full hurt. podcast. You played hurt. It's a full podcast. So, Mike... As always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Podcast.